You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events, entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. Hi, folks. Dr. History here with another story from the Old West. And just as a reminder, you can still get my book, Coal Miner to Cowboy, which contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast on Amazon as a print, ebook, and as an audible book. You know, we've talked a lot about the cattle industry and uh, cattle drives and cowboys, but we haven't talked much about sheep. So from the earliest days of the conquistadors, sheep had been the chief agricultural product of the Spanish West, and the rich men of the region reckoned their wealth by the size of their herds. And you know, as pioneers spread westward in the 19th century, sheep in increasing numbers went with them, supplying their need for food, clothing, and cash. Then, of course, the discovery of gold in California set off a historic and unexpected surge of westward migration. Prospectors swarming over the mining camps wiped out local food supplies, but they still had a lot of gold dust and nuggets to pay for more. So one practical answer to the demand was sheep. They were durable, they were mobile, uh, you know, they could make the trek. So millions of sheep headed west on the trails. Now, the man who owned the sheep, established ranchers, speculators, and rank amateurs, all hoped to grow rich from the fleece and mutton of their, what they called, quote, woolly monsters. And an impressive number did just that. Before the end of the century, sheep ranching rivaled cattle and mining as the West's leading industry. Now, that was a surprise. Now, despite its economic importance, sheep ranching was largely ignored by the historians, the chronicles. They preferred to idealize the hard-riding, gun-toting cowboy, you know. And so the old lonely sheep herder, he didn't get much notice from the historians. But certainly, sheep herding was the... Not a very glamorous job in the Old West. The animals were stupid and unpredictable. 
They were the most defenseless of all domesticated animals. They needed tending day and night, and the herder, whether he was on the trail or camped on the outer reaches of the owner's spread, had to contend with long periods of being alone. A man learned to handle loneliness, or, as they said, he eventually went mad. Well, yet the solitude and the responsibility produced uh, some thoughtful men. Many more sheep herders than cowboys rose to become citizens of, of wealth and substance. Uh, though little praised and often scorned, they were proud of the hard life they had fashioned for themselves. One of them said, quote, Don't picture a sheep herder with a long-handled crook. And don't give him so few as a dozen sheep crowding close to him and licking his hand, but give him a sizable flock of at least 2,000. He was a sheep herder, not a shepherd. Now, going way back, Columbus brought the first sheep to the New World on his second voyage in 1493. Cortez carried sheep to the mainland as food for his legion during his conquest of Mexico. Coronado and other Spanish explorers and gold seekers trailed them north to what would become Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and Southern California. The explorers left the remnants of their flocks with the priests who had accompanied them north to establish missions. Now, these first flocks uh, increased over the years by large numbers, trailed north by the Spanish, who settled permanently on huge tracts granted by the king of Spain. They're half-wild little, and they called them churro, sheep, uh, developed in the dry climate of Spain. They got fat really nice on the short, curly grass that covered large stretches of the land-grant ranches. Since the region produced little else, sheep grazing soon dominated the economy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, the Spanish sheep spreads of New Mexico were large. They were huge, sometimes covering more than a million acres. Ranching families with herds of even as much as a half a million were not uncommon. The governor of Spanish New Mexico early in the 19th century had nearly 2 million sheep on his 1,282,000 acre ranch just east of, east of Albuquerque. And he, uh, they were tended by 2,700 herders who lived on the range all year long. Now, the great Spanish ranches were organized. All the authority rested at the top, as you'd expect. And most of all, the work was done at the bottom, done by a large number of surf-like men they called pastores, who tended the flocks for $5 a month, and they were in debt to their masters, in fact, a U.S. Army officer traveling through New Mexico during the Mexican War described the condition of these men, these workers, the pastores he saw on the sheep ranches. He said, quote, they were miserably clad in tattered blankets armed with bows and arrows. These and their big shepherd dogs constitute their sole defense. 
although they were subject to be attacked by Indians and their flocks and herds by wolves and uh, coyotes and many other animals. Now, as Americans moved into the Southwest before and after the Mexican War, they started their flocks by purchasing these hardy little sheep called churros, which they called also Mexican bear bellies because they had scruffy top-sided coats. As a rule, the American ranchers also hired Mexican Indian herders and initially adopted the classic Spanish ranching structure. But most of the big owners quickly found it advantageous to streamline the system. So flocks of a 1,000 to 3,000 sheep became the responsibility of, get this folks, one individual herder who, though held strictly accountable for the welfare of his animals, was left pretty much to his own unsupervised devices. For most of the year, his only human contact was with the camp tander who made the rounds of the herders' camps every few weeks. And as he did this, he brought fresh supplies of beans, salt pork, flour, flour, coffee, and other staples, along with books, magazines, old newspapers, mail, and messages from the owner uh, of the spread. So it was a pretty lonely life, but, you know, I guess they got used to it. After 1800, the sheep grazing industry also flourished along the East Coast, and a few small bands accompanied the early wagon trains over the Oregon Trail in the 1840s. Now, I've got to admit, folks, I never thought of trailing sheep on the Oregon Trail. But they were crossbred with strong European strains brought to Oregon in ships around Cape Horn. Now, the census of 1850 recorded 15,000 sheep in the Oregon Territory. Now, in California, sheep raising had been kind of going downhill. There were fewer than 18,000 sheep in the whole state in 1850. But just as the exploding gold rush demand created, created desperate shortages of meat and wool, the few sheep that were available were soon eaten. So... Uh, they even got animals to, uh, driven down from Oregon, but that still didn't uh, satisfy the demand. Now, into this situation moved uh, New Mexico uh, sheepmen. For them, the gold rush had come just in time. You see, the enormous herds in the southwest had outgrown the available market, and sheep were selling for as little as a dollar a head. Now, some ranchers gambled early on leaving their home spreads and trailing large herds of their own animals to California. By driving 25,000 sheep from Santa Fe to Southern California and then on to Sacramento, uh, sheep could be purchased for as much as $10 to $25 a head. So you can see there was a huge profit to be made instead of selling them for a dollar a head. Now, other New Mexico ranchers chose to profit more by selling churros to speculators and adventurers. Now, among those to accept the challenge was a tough and kind of imaginative mountain man named Richens Wooten, who at the age of 36 had spent half his life roaming the deep west as a hunter, a fur trapper, a scout, and Indian fighter. Now, in the late spring of 1852, he saw his chance to earn a huge fortune in one bold move. Uncle Dick, as Wooten was called, proposed to buy a herd of sheep from the overstocked New Mexico ranchers and walk them 1,600 miles to the gold-fevered Sacramento Valley. The miners there, he knew, would have preferred beef, but sheep were cheaper. 
They could adapt to the rough terrain. They could live on foliage too sparse for cows. They could get along on a fraction of the water needed by cows. They also required fewer people to work. Now, think think about this. It took seven mounted cowboys to move 1,000 head of cattle any distance. The same number of sheep could be handled easily by one single herder on foot with the help of a good dog. Now, Wooten had never handled sheep before, but he was no stranger to the territory. He had to drive them through to reach the gold camps, through the rivers, the mountains, the desert, even facing hostile Indians. So, for some $5,000, Wooten purchased a band of 9,000 sheep. He invested another $1,000 in provisions, a string of pack mules, eight goats to serve as bell leaders, which would lead the sheep, a trained sheep dog, He supplied each of his men, uh, which he had 14 Mexican herders and eight American guards, with a first-class rifle, a pistol, and a knife. Well, the caravan made steady progress until they reached the San Juan Mountains of Colorado, home of the Ute Indians. Now, Wooten had dealt with Utes before and was prepared to, uh, to pay a tribute in order to gain passage through their land. The Ute chieftain named Unkatosh stormed into the camp with a band of warriors and demanded payment for the trespass. Wooten just coolly assured him that fair compensation would be arranged at a proper powwow later on. Well, Chief Unkatosh accused him of breaking his agreement. The Ute warriors soon surrounded Uncle Dick's frightened crew. Here's what Uncle Wooten said, I have never been so badly scared in my life. The veteran mountain man struggled to maintain his composure. He said, I tried to pacify and explain to the old chief, but he kept railing on me. Wooten explained until I got mad. Suddenly, the two leaders were rolling on the ground in a desperate struggle. Wooten soon got the upper hand, holding his knife at the chief's throat. He demanded instant surrender. Well, Unkatosh called off his warriors. A peace pipe was passed. Wooten and his band crossed the river and left Ute territory as fast as their 9,000 sheep could be made to move. Well, he continued to move the sheep over the Sierra Nevada. Of his 9,000 head, he had lost only 100. That's pretty amazing. In the spring, he sold them all for $50,000, 10 times what he had paid for them, and he returned to New Mexico. Now, one who followed Wooten's example was the famed scout Kit Carson. He bought 6,500 sheep in New Mexico in 1853 for $2.50 a head, trailed them from Santa Fe to Sacramento along a route to the north of that taken by Wooten. Carson made $30,000 from his venture, enough money to enable him for the first time in his life to build a ranch of his own in New Mexico. Now, $30,000, folks, in 1853, what would be that, like, at least... Three hundred, four, five hundred thousand dollars today. Well, by the end of the Civil War, more than a million sheep had reached California. And that's kind of how the sheep industry got started in the West. And I've told stories before about how uh, there were battles and wars between the sheep men and the cattle men. And we may continue this and talk more later on about the, some of the battles and the gunfights and actual murders that took place between the sheep men and the cattle men. 
But for now, that's kind of the beginning of the history of the sheep and how it started in the, in the Old West. So folks, you have a good day. And that's all for now.